Now we're going to start something real hard for you. I want your wits on deck now. I want you to be good at this and remember it and be able to operate it. And it is really simple. Once you've got it on deck, it's really difficult to understand. The organisation of an effective group. Here we go. You probably have two or three friends. If you don't have, uh, stop smoking. <laughs> That's all you need is two or three friends, very dependable friends. And you sit, sit down and have a little talk to them. Form a whatever you like. I want you to form an association. You are associates with definite aims in mind, you know, and the aim should be you're going to change the world. And I want you to draw up the rules of association from your local association rules which you get free, or no, you just pay for the government printing cost at your local business registry in your, in your main town. Registration of business names. You get the rules of association and I want you to build into the rules of association a basic ethic which is earth care. But however, I want you to have the rules in a little box in your house. I want you to change them according to your own wishes, put your own association name in them, and to write an ethical statement into your rules, which binds your cells. Now what you've got to watch is your cells. And your ethical statement can copy ours if you like. It is, we'll care for the earth, we will care for people, and we will get rid of things surplus to our needs. The last is the hardest. You know very well there's nothing surplus to your needs, but you'll find there is quite a lot. Now, we'll later compel you to do this, so uh, you don't have to worry about your honesty. We'll force you to be honest. You don't register that association because it will not hold any real property and it does not need to be registered, but you will keep a registry of members so now what you've got in this box is the rules of association, your own association's rules drawn up from them, and a small book which has a registry of members and in which the secretary is conspicuously showed and is current. Someone already there now. Put that box away and forget it. <coughs> All you need to do occasionally, if you get another friend, is add them to the register of members. It didn't cost you anything. Cost zero, or oh, wait a minute, cost is the rules of association, okay? That's all. <coughs> Legal costs, none. Now you have an effective group, which although, and if you want to know its name, it's an unincorporated association. However, it is an entity in law, and it sets the whole ethical base for all subsequent action. Okay, we guys are going to look after the earth, look after people, primarily look after the earth, don't look after people. And in looking after the earth, really, you do get rid of surplus because, as we pointed out early in the course, the accumulation of surplus is a pollutant no matter what it is we're accumulating. Surplus, there shouldn't be any such thing. A surplus is an unused resource. You get it back into use. No problem up to there, is there? Now, your association may very well exist. The Permaculture Association in Nambour is a good example. It exists and it can be this association. It has an ethical base. 
you need to buy two companies or get your lawyer to draw up two companies and that uh, at fair price today is $300 I think about that unless you have a really friendly lawyer who's got a few companies on the shelf that is he's bought them cheap somewhere one is a trading entity or an income earning entity and the other one is not and uh, so the second one it follows along yeah, you've got an unregistered association. That association's job is to set up two companies uh, which you have your lawyer draw up for you and register. So you now are the proprietors of two companies. Your association members split up a little bit and two or three of them become the directors of each company, okay? You are now company directors, folks. First time in your life, no doubt, many of you. Directors are members of an association with a different hat on. They walk out of the association rooms, which are in somebody's kitchen, put their company director's hat on and walk into a company office, which has to have a, an address and a registered place. The members of the association are the directors of two companies. Not all the members of the association, necessarily, or if all the members of the association, not all of them directors of both companies necessarily. A company uh, should have three directors. I would recommend you never have any more. Four is a bloody new. <coughs> right? It wouldn't matter if it was the same directors of company. It doesn't matter a hoot, because the companies are still legally separated in law. I want you to instruct your lawyer clearly that the companies are only to act as trustees. These are now called corporate trustees, okay? Both companies are corporate trustees. If you look, uh, and you should buy a copy of your local company rules uh, from the same registrar that you got your association rules from. If you look at the reasons for setting up companies, <coughs> in the, in the uh, a company registry, you'll find, the, or in the law of your state, you'll find there are about 23 reasons why people set up companies, and reason 16 or 17 is to act as trustee. And that is all you set your companies up for. You do not give them any other uh, discretion. They're only to act as trustees. A public company can have any number of directors and, and and if you want to, you can put as many directors as you like in these companies. I want you to guard against unnecessary involvement and unnecessary group decision making. So just put two or three of your friends, if they are your friends, in as company directors, preferably three in each, and maybe one in common. Yeah. One of whom acts as, as secretary occasionally, there's no president. Now, these are corporate trustees. The company can only act as trustee. Now, what does a trustee do? A trustee administers a trust, and therefore the trustees are governed by the trust, not the trust by the trustees. <coughs> and the law sees to it that that is the case. Are you clear about that? As a company director of a trustee company, you are required by the law to administer the conditions of the trust, right? The companies are trustees. They are corporate trustees. 
Yes, by a trust deed. These are these little things hanging off the companies here. Trust deed one. Trust deed two. And each company has to have uh, $5 from a set law, which is a friend of yours who says, that's a good thing you're doing. I will give you $5 to each of these institutions to set them up and then they disappear forever. Uh, the set law uh, would be somebody probably like myself who say, what a good idea, uh, Sandy. I think it's a nice idea to set up a <coughs> trust for the public good. Here's five bucks to get you on your way. I have to be a disinterested party who, who never becomes a director or never takes any further affair in your trust. But I mentioned a sympathetic friend and you can say, you want to lend the $5 for a beer? And he says, yes. And I will you give me $5 for a trust? He says, yes. And gives you back that $5. We don't know where that $5 is, do we? You must keep somewhere $5. We've got a bank account with five bucks in it somewhere, I believe. So now you, you get two more boxes and into them you put the register, registration of your company, uh, which actually must hang up in some premises, <coughs> must hang up on the wall and be identifiable. You now have two companies and you call them what you like. <coughs> Ours are XAF here and XCD here. I might have told you what that means, did I? Oh, that's the Extraordinary Association of Freaks. This is the Extraordinary Confederation of Dunces. <laughs> of course, let's face it, what we are are freaks and dunces. There wouldn't be a single person in this room who wouldn't agree with that. If they don't, they're off their rocker. <laughs> we are dunces and we are freaks in this society. If we weren't dunces, we'd know how to do this one-handed. So far, you've spent 600 bucks, oh, plus uh, somebody else spent two $5, and you paid for a couple of sets of rules to do with associations and companies. Now you draw up two trust deeds. One trust deed applies to this trust, and this is for the public good. We said you're going to work for the public good, didn't you? Well, this says you do. Whatever that thing does, it is for the public good. That trust deed states clearly that the purposes of this trust are for the good of, well, all Australians and all other people, if you want to add to that. I'd like to call it something like a land bank or a, a holding trust whose purpose is to hold in trust resources for the public good. It doesn't really have a name. Call it a holding trust. It holds resources for the public. And most of its resources are called real property. <coughs> that is, it can hold lands, houses, uh, you know, commercial premises, trademarks and copyrights for the public good. Well, those two companies don't own No. They don't own anything, they don't do anything, they only act as a trustee. See, that company doesn't govern itself unlike a public company or unlike a limited liability company. It is governed by its trust. The trustee is directed by the deed of trust. You can eliminate the company and put named trustees. 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, up to 26 or something trustees. Then something happens. The trustees are identifiable, they are no longer anonymous. They are, have, have a limited life, therefore they perish. And they are personally responsible for anything that happens under the trust, therefore they can be wiped out financially. They are now at risk. They are short-term, at risk and identifiable. If a corporate trustee is put there, they, the trustees are anonymous, they have a theoretically unlimited life and they are not personally at risk. The registration of this company, it has to have a... Every company has to be registered and have a place from which it trades and uh, there its registration has to be displayed, I think, by law. You can read your company law. So you frame your registration and hang it up. You notice in the window of my house it has XAF Propriety Limited on a bit of thing. That's and down in the office it has XCD Propriety Limited. So you can find the bloody thing. It has to be identified. So where's XCD? Sorry, an old building down the bottom of the road. Corner of Wharf Road and something Street Stanley is XCD. Where are the rectors? God knows. This cast deed would be a nuisance, but fortunately we have drawn it up for this 15 months. <laughs> and you can buy it off us for $10, depending on your ability to pay, or you can photocopy it if you're not too lazy and pay for the photocopy. That goes for both trust deeds. And you don't want anything different from ours, but you need to look at it, reword a couple of phrases in it to suit yourself and where you are and your set law. Otherwise, you don't need to worry about it. Uh, but you could have your lawyer read it. Your articles of association say what your group is about. They are about, they're going to change the earth. And they're going to change it this way, towards a beneficial system. They're going to take care of the earth itself, of the people of the earth, and they're going to give away their surplus assets, for which purpose they probably will start to go into some sort of action. They could take all their clothes off and walk along the street in a loincloth and urge everybody to repent. Or they could do this. They could set up two companies and two trustees. Right, you've got $5 paid up shares and you're going to act as a trustee only. You're not going to do any other trading, therefore you won't have to show any income or... You know, you won't be out in the marketplace with that company at all. Nobody can buy shares in it. And that you can, you know, you can appoint your directors. You don't have to get elected. They can be appointed. Any two directors can appoint another one. Whatever you want to put in it. All of which are available from us. XCD is a different sort of company. This one was for the public good. This one uh, writes that it lie, cheats, steals and thieves. It's not for the public good, it is to make money. It's going to get out in the marketplace and it's going to operate flat out to make dough. It doesn't give a stuff about anybody. Look out. Yeah, is a businessman walks onto the scene. A businessman who is unfortunately governed by the fact that he is governed by an ethic as a member of an association to which he must belong to be a director of this company. No member, nobody not a member of that association can be a director of this company. That goes into your company documents. In fact, I would advise you to limit it further. 
nobody who is not a resident of the region and a member of the association can be appointed a director. You've got the bugger now because he's a member of the association you've got him governed by the association's ethics. Look what we're doing here. We're not giving the individual too much latitude. We've got him crammed by the law from above and below. And the Lord will descend on him with all its awful majesty if he departs from either of these things. He can be in the dock smartly if he says he's going to be good and he isn't and he'll be brought to the dock by any of his associates. Ah, plus anybody from outside who reads the document. How can he lie, cheat, steal and thieve? Normal trading. It says, we will trade, hold shares in other operations, form partnerships, issue capital, buy and sell land, you know, just anything you can think of. Run educational institutes. Anything you ever thought of that, uh, that you would ever like to do. We will import, export, buy, sell, retail, develop, all these words, you'll find nearly all of them in our document. You'll enter into the marketplace and you will make a net profit. Well, you make a profit and you'll give this profit away according to the rules of your association. And you'll give the profit away. No, because you're giving the profit away. Company doesn't make any money; it doesn't pay any tax. If the, if the company, if the company director doesn't give the money away, then he's being negligent. Who will you give the profit to? You will now then declare the beneficiaries of your profit will be members of this association and their dependents. This trust here for the public good. You'll give your profit to this trust members of the association, any other charity of your choice, which is a registered charity and which is in lines with your <coughs> group's ethics. And we have also an additional thing which you need or need not adopt and to any political party of your choice. It has to be separately named and it might be handy to drop it in there because it's always handy to have more latitude than you want to use. So you're giving your money away to four identifiable groups and they're identifiable in law and you can't give money away uh, to buy from a discretionary trust to a group not identifiable in law. This is an association which, although unregistered, is, is still legal. This is a legally registered trust and the other groups to whom you give it are also registered groups. You can't give it to an anonymous person. Remember, you can give to individuals here. Uh, I say dependents, I didn't say children, I said dependents. And to any political party of your choice. And political parties have secretaries and registered officers. Although they don't have any legal entity or any religious group of your choice. Now give this trust its proper name. It's a unit discretionary trust. A unit discretionary trust. The unit discretionary trust is a totally separate legal entity from the holding trust. So in actual fact, the, uh, the second one can be earning money, uh, making a net profit, buying a piece of land with that net profit and then giving it to number one. Right. And it has an asset there. It would be a very proper, proper thing for it to do. 
This uh, thing can make a lot of money, give that much to the institute, which then can buy a block of land for itself. Right. Mm. Uh, you can call that what you like. You can call it the institute if you wish. Well, in your case, you can call it the uh, Upper Mulligay Land Trust or the Satanic Public Interest Institution, whatever you want to call it. In your case, the XIF is really the institute. It's the Permaculture Institute. Yeah. When, you, uh, when you look at a title of land lying within the institute, you see the land title is held by XAF as trustee for the Permaculture Institute. Mm -hmm. That's the actual phrasing on titles. So uh, make a little, <coughs> little tiny star against that statement mm -hmm. that any property held is held by the company as trustee for the Institute Trust. Therefore, when anybody goes to find out who owns this block of land, they'll find it is held by a company who is a trustee for a trust. And beyond that, they cannot go. Hang on, would you like to start that again, Any property? Any property held by this institute or this trust for the public good is held on, its pro on the documents, on the copyright or uh, trademark or other documents, it's held by XAF or a company as trustee for the institute. I'm trying to point out to you an important thing, that the real property is held by this company as trustee for this deed, which is we'll call the institute or the trust for the public good. Now, I want to tell you something. All churches, all institutes, everything you see about you has this structure. It may not have a corporate trustee. It may have individual trustees. That is, this is no way different from RMIT, your local university, your local church. They are all formed under law here. Therefore, this name, this trust for the public good, is sometimes called a church, it's sometimes called a college, it's sometimes called a school, it's sometimes called a university, and it's sometimes called an institute. And it's sometimes called a foundation. So if you want to know of what these trusts are called, they are called colleges, schools, university, educational institutes, foundations and churches. And they are called uh, all, all sorts of other names. For instance, they've been called bureaus. The bill of the company structure as, as XAF, besides the anonymity of the, of the trustees, it also limits the liability the trustees, because but they are actually there is no, directors there of is no the, personal liability. Yeah, because yeah. they're directors of the corporate of a corporate trust. Yeah. Uh, well, the only the only thing that, the only thing that they are liable for is is failing to administer the trust. Okay, I want to just go back now and simplify things for you. What we've developed is a group of friends called an association, some of whom independently are directors of a company administering a trust and others of whom or some of the same of whom likewise are directors of a company which administers a trust. I'll put a double line down there to show that these are totally different forms of trusts. This is a unit discretionary trust and I guess to simplify this thing this is some sort of institute church or some of those things that you see all over the place. Football, ground association, trustee, sports club. 
something for the public good. This deed, once drawn up, is lodged with the company registrar and there's a lodgement fee and it can cost you, in total, what do you think would be a fair statement, Andrew? So it costs you 300 plus 10 and a lodgement fee, right? Okay, your friendly lawyer's costs. Let's say at worst you ought to be up for 700, eh? 1,400 bucks. Now you've got to meet annually by law. You must do that. That is the essential thing you must do. Very quick. With three people. You needn't be physically present. You can phone, phone in. We do it in February the something and approve, and approve the accounts of your trust. And then you submit a return to the taxation commissioner. So you've got a day's housework a year and you've got to have an, an accountant. Minutes. If you don't meet, of course, you don't have much minuting to do. Now, is that totally clear? The purposes over here are different totally from the purposes here. Now, if you want to risk it, you can cheapen it by using one company for both trusts. So you can do that on your little diagram. One company can be trustee for both trusts, but there is an unfortunate possible link through. And I, we started off like that and we busted it into two and later into three or more. Because uh, what we do is often under attack and what you do will, may also come under attack. Therefore, you don't want any routeways to yourselves or anything that is important to you. As this trust doesn't do anything, it never, it never comes under attack. This is the bugger that comes under attack. Tell us more about this attack from who? Okay, I'll tell you about the attack when we go on because the attack will develop itself, I think. This uh, company now proceeds to register business names and can register any number of businesses. Each one, I think, registration is $24 annually. What sort of things might they like to register? Uh, low, energy, low energy accoutrements, desert seed, company, energy accounting group, innovative architectural corporation, anything you like, just name it and register it. Permaculture Consultancy, they are not other companies, they are wholly owned business names of the trust. You can put the word company in their title if you like, like you can call it the good company. If you do trade on the business names, can you feed the profit directly or does it have to go back via the deed? It must go back into here and then go to there. Otherwise, the institute is trading. If the bill is done through that discretionary trust? Every uh, business operates through it, yeah. Consultancy, publishing, whatever. Nurseries, whatever. What we're really looking at, we could say here in this, in this rather simple three-part diagram, is the whole concept of trusteeship, which, uh, which Gandhi uh, articulated very well and which has had a lot of modern uh, writing to do with it and which is being rapidly adopted by modern groups, in that here you have everything you need in which you live uh, and to grow food and access to land and, and buildings. And in here, most things that you do also are under trusteeship. We would all agree, I think, that we are 
only have the use of certain things uh, during our relatively very brief lifetime and that all we want is access to land, a place to live, some security and so on. And that, but during those lifetimes we actively engage in some sort of commerce with our neighbours and friends. And here again, <clears throat> puts that commerce under trusteeship so that the amount kept by the group is roughly regulated to needs. And the rest of it is passed off to increase the amount or the, the assets which are available to all or to assist others in like endeavours and uh, some proportion is kept by the, the uh, people who actually get involved. The group we haven't put in here yet we'll call the public and by that we'll simply mean those not in any such uh, structure at present, those people not in such structure. The relationships with the public are that any of them may form partnerships or associate with our businesses in any way, even in an employee status, although we ourselves don't ever employ people, and uh, that they may uh, access assets held by the public trust under the conditions of that trust, and they may give time or, or goods to either side of that equation. Did you say they can hold assets, did they themselves hold assets as individuals if they are not in some such form. They can form companies in here which are straight out trading companies with no discretion and these companies can form partnerships with these uh, businesses up here. So it enables this group to have assets available to the public to offer services to the public and to write contracts and agreements with members of the public or to have them as volunteer or paid associates. If there is a joint venture, for instance, undertaken by this group, uh, they might decide how they divided up the net profits. Net profit of this group then would go back into the unit discretionary trust and the net profit, the other part would go, be carried away by the members of the public and, and, and they can do what they like with them. Oh, you could make a profit and keep it. This group can make a profit and keep it. Then has to be then it's then taxable. However, if it makes a profit and gives it away, it's not taxable here because this is a non-taxable <coughs> entity. It's taxable here only if given away in such largesse that you know a tax is incurred. What do you do with real property? For instance, somebody wants to build a house on the land held by the. Institute Trust. Okay, that's whatever land you build it on, with very few exceptions, um, you're paying some land tax to somebody. In fact, everybody does that except churches and institutes. They don't pay land tax. For example, in terms of a community, say, we've got, we've got people living on the land that is actually owned by the Institute. Now, if I build, want to build a house and live there, uh, how is that organised? Do I lease that land off the Institute? Yes, you have to lease it from the Institute. Whatever terms the Institute and you come to. But you have, to, yes, the Institute owns the land. The Institute may not be itself subject to land tax, can be immune from land tax, but 
it needs to maintain land and it would probably insist that you pay a share of any taxes due on the land. Or if you were sole occupant, that you paid all the taxes due on the land. Should they receive money? Well, they wouldn't take it in the first place. Yeah. The problem only arises uh, where the amount returned by the trading trust to individuals up here, and that means any of the individuals or dependents of the association group, exceeds taxable <coughs> income, which is uh, $5,000, which is $100 a week. And uh, if you could imagine a situation in which your house and land were already there, in which uh, business provides, of course, vehicles, transport and so on, um, what you ever would do with $100 a week is beyond my comprehension. Yes, Bill, but sometimes you might give us a bank account. No, it doesn't. No, it's paid. I gave it directly to there. I countersign it and put it straight into the, this trust. I ask people not to do that. There's no real problem. Um, now, uh, why should you be bothered to do this? This is a cost exercise. We've, we've made you spend $1,500 between you, uh, hard earned, hard done by a lot of uh, hippies. Uh, um, the answer is that this covers all your life activities. There's no other system you would need to operate under. And it enables you to... Uh, undertake such enterprises and use such money under your discretion, which is the discretion of the ethic that governs your system. It doesn't give anybody else access to that. Some you can uh, do something that we do, and that is these businesses uh, themselves, of course, being ethically governed, are only businesses that sell uh, self-reliance. They're only, only stock in trade, I think. Uh, but they could be other businesses. They could make glass or something like that. Excuse me, Will, with the, those registered businesses, they may own all, all like the disposable assets such as motor cars and everything. That's all in their name. Yeah. All the uh, desks, typewriters, motor cars. Uh, when you're running the car, you're actually operating on behalf of the business. So well, sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm running it for publishing. Sometimes I'm running it for consultancy. Sometimes I'm running for the institute, and the institute has to pay. I have actually run it for myself, but I can't remember when. When I get a load of seaweed, for my garden, I run it for myself and I pay. Uh, same per mile as the institute or anybody else. It's 35 cents or something a mile. I, pay. I don't think the they're disinterested. They're totally familiar with unit discretionary trusts and they're totally familiar with institutes and they just say, we're not interested in you. <laughs> that, that's due to our volunteer accountant who's el elderly and whose hand shakes and who anguishes over us because he can never see how we possibly exist. <laughs> he's always two years behind with our returns. He, uh, the year before last, he accurately assessed our personal expenditure as $15 per head each, totally. That's not just food and clothing, that's for all other energy, for everything else. That's what it actually was. I, what did he say we spent last year per head, did he say? A head per week. Things which are not, you know, very risky can be led by the Institute naturally to uh, 
to any business which favours the Institute, which names the Institute as a beneficiary, naturally the Institute is kindly inclined towards it. And the other thing we do, which is to increase for the Institute's indebtedness to us, is every time we buy a book from library, we give it to the Institute, therefore the Institute owes us that much money and we can wring it out of it by getting a bit of free rental out of it for our businesses. What happens if your association Um, oh, we shouldn't ever decide to be friendly. I think love is an unnecessary uh, <coughs> compulsion. Uh, why don't you start yourself another unit? As long as there are three of you still together, there are not, well, you're, uh, you're wandering at large, I suppose. Yeah. The association, it has no gates around it. People can come and go. It's a name on a register. As long as they follow all those rules and things to sit down. Well, when they come, they follow the rules. When they go, they follow their own rules. Hmm? <coughs> three, tra uh, three directors. Uh, it's not a bad idea to have three because there's always somebody home then. If you if you had one director, very often it'd be difficult to find. So to have three, it covers the legal requirement. Uh, now, some very good advice to you if you do it. If you don't do it, you're idiots. I'll tell you why later. If one of these businesses gets, gets very successful stick it straight out under its own trust and trustees. Detach it from the general income, if it's a large income earner, and put it out on its own. <coughs> but then uh, any risks it takes, you can take as many risks here. Now, some other things I want to write here is take risks up here. That's on this side of the double line. On this side, I want to say never take risks. That is, risk nothing of the institutes. That is, the institute, for instance, would never own a motor vehicle because that's a highly risky piece of equipment because it's a danger to the public. Mm. We don't think there is any risk because there's never been a case in Australian law when anybody has attacked the unit discretionary trust because, it's, uh, because of its anonymity and because of its impregnability. However, because of the determination of the business world to destroy people like ourselves, they are e eternally launching attacks. So just to defend the attacks is risky. There's been no case of them actually ever bringing an attack home against the discretionary trust, but they are always issuing writs and <coughs> attacking. But the, the trading associations can own any gods and matter motor vehicles. Here you uh, set out on ventures and uh, take money in hot little hands, speed off with it and see if you can come back with it. Out here you're very careful because you're administering public funds and you're very closely accounted in the administration of public funds. You have to be audited, publicly audited. How much, how much of its money this gives to the Institute is entirely the affair of this trust. Because you're known for, it's your discretion and obviously Quite obviously, there's an evolutionary switch. In the very first hard, tough days of community, a lot of money may, you, because you don't know much about business, you're just starting, practically all the money that is made goes back only to the group. Otherwise they might starve, as indeed we have almost done. When, however, these get swinging along and a few thousand dollars comes in, the flow to the institute begins and that uh, strengthens and widens until, you get, until this gets too fat. 
in which case the flow out of the uh, trust to other groups uh, begins and strengthens. So it's really an evolutionary discretion. I would say your first discretion is to your group that they eat and are fed and at that time probably are renting houses and then when they gain ownership of the homes and get land access they need to develop it, to fence it, get it in order so there's a flow to there. Then when that is done and there should be a limit put on that, a strict limit, so that it's not overcapitalized, then you have nowhere to put the money. These people don't need it anymore. They've stopped renting things. They've got plenty of food and gardens and the institute doesn't need it. It's jumping with fish and frogs and uh, fences. And therefore, the flow uh, to any other group of your choice begins and, uh, and then they would go through the same evolution. In your case, Bill, some of those... Or groups of your choice. Some of those people on the top are also employees of some of these businesses down the bottom, are they? That there is no employees. These pe- some of these people and some of these people lend their time to the uh, activities which make money. When they do so, they agree on how the net profit shall be split up between them. Well, here we are, here. If some of the public cooperate with some of your group to run an enterprise, your group and them say, well, if you want to do half this work, you keep half the money. And we will keep half the money which we will put in our trust and you do what you like with the other half the money. So what you take home as profit to the trust is half the profit of an enterprise with somebody else. Now, I have nothing against cooperatives except for what they are good for. And what they're good for is uh, rather large-scale manufacturing systems. They're not much good for anything else. Or for, you know, large-scale food distribution systems. Cooperative membership involves a lot of meeting and voting. It may even mean uh, some sort of consensus between a lot of people, and it's just a bloody mess. It doesn't work. People get huffy and leave the cooperative because they can't have their way, and on it goes like that. Who has the system related to somebody who's earning... You can run a dual system, you can earn an income and also partake in this and be a member of the original group and so on. Oh, your income's taxable. At any time you feel like it, however, you can have the income directly paid here and then it's non-taxable. Income directly paid to here and then it is non-taxable. No, you just have to give them a declaration that, that, that I am not an individual wage earner I'm a volunteer for a discretionary trust and therefore I'm not subject to income tax. And I work for state government departments and they do not deduct income tax and they part directly to the trust. And they don't deduct income tax. If you're not subject to income tax, they don't deduct it. I'm not, I'm not coming to the Victorian Department of Agriculture as Bill Mollison. I'm, be, I'm coming as a volunteer worker for the Permaculture Consultancy. For $50 a week you get, is that paid by the trustee or something? For $50 a week you said that you get, is that come through the, the trust on this side? Yes. Ignore how much it is. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not worried about whether it's 50 or whatever it is. But it's, uh, it's paid to you monthly by cheque from the... Uh, yeah. Is that as a director or something? Two of the directors have to sign all cheques. No. no, you didn't quite understand what I mean. I mean, I'm assuming, say I was one of these people up there, so I'm just using you as the model, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, 
as you said, you do have to eat and you have to money on something. So say you need 50 or whatever, and somehow you're getting that. How's that actually officially organised? Um, What's it called? Is it income or is it director's fees? Or yes, it's your income. It's your income from what? From your voluntary, from part of the profits that you made for the trust. So when this mob accounts this out, on there, but what's that being paid out for? Just wages, or what do they call it? Directors' fees, wages, what? Uh, yes, pa no payments to beneficiaries. Payments to beneficiaries. Right. Payments to beneficiaries have to be strictly accounted, and they should total all profit for the year. Right, right. Huh? The home housekeeping accounting <coughs> is done by the people. In here, in each of these, is accounted by the people in it. The sum of accounts is accounted here, and the accountant, the external audit, is carried out by somebody who comes and checks that all <coughs> that's in order. Over here, the trust pays. Over there, the trust pays. 